Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Luxe mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Breaking news today, Mara. Uh, Courtney Hope, who has just wrapped a stint on Bold and Beautiful as Sally, has been snapped up to their sister show, Young and the Restless. So Courtney announced her new gig on social media, and I am so excited to see who she'll be playing and what she'll be doing in Genoa City. I mean, she is so talented, and I know we were really disappointed to see her leave B&B so soon. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a great piece of casting. Oh, I absolutely agree. I definitely think she exited B&B as a hot commodity, and I'm somewhat surprised that it happened so fast, but not at all surprised uh, that another show did jump at the opportunity to bring her aboard. And she's in an age range that would make her peers with like such a wide swath of Genoa City. So I'm intrigued to find out who she'll be working with and where she's going to fit into the canvas. But, uh, you know, as we've said before on the podcast, she really brings a distinct spark to the screen. So kudos to YNR for recognizing that. Yeah, and I think it's in the similar vein as Michelle Stafford. So it would be kind of cool if we saw any connection to Phyllis. Mm. And, you know, I had heard that YNR was generally not looking for soap names, if you will, to like you know, cast for roles on the show and like preferred to find new faces like they have with Donnie Boaz or Mark Grossman. But this is really a case where you have a super talented actress who is familiar to soap fans and it's a welcome transition between the two shows. Yeah. And there's a long list of people who've been successful on both of those two shows. Some playing the same character like Kimberlyn Brown did most famously as Sheila and some playing an entirely new face. Uh, that's a list that includes some of B&B's earliest talent, like John McCook and Darlene Conley, both of whom were on YNR. And then more recently, uh, you know, YNR stars Heather Tom and Don Diamant and Matthew Atkinson, all of whom uh, transitioned to B&B. And now the talent pool is flowing in the other direction, if you will, and I'm excited about it. Me too. Now, it also seems like every week there is some days casting news to talk about. This week is no different. It's about the future of the Hernandez family in Salem. So we're going to see A. Martinez return as Eduardo next week, and he is going to usher Gabby and Rafe out of town. 
So Galen Gehring had announced his departure, if you will recall, um, way back in like late January. And Camila Bannis never clarified her status, but eventually, you know, word got out that she was leaving too. However, in quite the reversal of fortune, both actors will be back when the show starts filming again next month. Uh, so we'll see them like sometime in October or November. Um, and as for A, he says he was really happy to come back and reconnect with his on-screen kids. He felt the character of Eduardo had a lot of potential, especially with Lauren Coslow's Kate. So, you know, perhaps we'll see more of him down the line now that Camila and Galen are back. I think there are a lot of Days fans with all of the casting changes going on in Salem who were really relieved to hear that Galen and Camila are staying put. Mm -hmm. You know, especially since Brandon Barash is really still in the early stages of his run as Jake and the chemistry between him and Camila is so strong. Mm -hmm. We also report in the new issue that A. Martinez's former Santa Barbara co-star, Carrington Garland, who played Kelly Capwell, the sister-in-law of Martinez's Cruz, is joining the cast of The Bay. Now, I was a huge fan of uh, Carrington's on Santa Barbara, and I got to speak with her this week. And she told me it was actually A who proposed her for the role she'll be playing, wow. also named Kelly. And A reached out to, uh, to her about it, uh, which I, I loved hearing. Carrington hasn't been acting in many years. She went down like a totally different career path. So she said this came completely out of the blue for her, but she thought, sounds fun, why not? Uh, and she will make her debut on the Bay in September. That's awesome. Um, now the nurses ball is underway on General Hospital. And, you know, I really applaud them for still pulling it together despite the production limitations and that it was, you know, like a post shutdown taping. And I love the t-shirts. Um, <laughs> in the new issue, though, you have a big old preview about General Hospital. You spoke to not only the show's executive producer, Frank Valentini, but the head writers, Chris Van Etten and Dan O'Connor. And I feel like every GH fan will want to read your interviews for sure. Well, I'm not going to lie. I actually got emotional hearing their voices again, uh, because particularly with Chris and Dan, I'm accustomed to talking to them for storyline previews like every other week. Uh, and it was such a thrill for the GH starved viewer in me to hear about what's coming up, which includes some tough times ahead for Sonny as he struggles to do right by Mike, who was in the end stages of his Alzheimer's, a truly life-changing confrontation between Carly and Nell and a dangerous figure from the past threatening the family unit that Anna has been enjoying both with Peter and with Finn. Now, speaking of Anna, her portrayer, Vanilla Hughes, recently dropped a really fun uh, and intriguing new series called Enter Exit on IGTV, which is Instagram's video channel. You can just go to her Instagram page to find it. It's a thriller she directed and stars in with our guest today, Ian Buchanan, her former leading man on GHS Duke, who has a dizzying list of soap credits to call his own. He does indeed, and I want to try to get to talk about all of them. So let's check in with Ian and see what he's been up to. Hi, Ian. Hi. Thank you for uh, interrupting me in my isolation or my, <laughs> my quarantine or my lockdown. I <laughs> definitely could use the distraction. Us too. <laughs> well, first tell us, how have you been doing? Uh, I've been doing pretty good, actually. Uh, things change, which, you know, I... Uh, I started out sort of thinking I was very positive and very uh, kind of sort of felt everything would be over very quickly. Well, you know, that didn't happen. And uh, then I started getting involved in doing stuff, doing some Zoom stuff and doing uh, doing like happy hour on, on uh, you know, house party, which was great because I don't like being around cigarette smokes. So I didn't have that issue anymore. So it was uh, Lots of great things have come out of it, actually. That uh, My house has never been cleaner. Everything that <laughs> is 
nailed down has been painted, which is kind of interesting <laughs> too. So it's all been great. I, we have a hardware store very close by. And uh, I think I go there now almost every day and it's part of my walk. And I always find something to bring back and, and knock away at or chip away at or, or change. or So it's been, I've been, I've kept myself pretty busy. And also I did a, a little show with uh, Fanola, which uh, has been great fun. We've, we've had a great time doing that. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with it. And we're, we're definitely going to get into it a little later. First though, there's just so many amazing things career-wise that we cannot wait to get your take on. Um, Starting even before you began in daytime, you were a very successful model when you were like first breaking into acting. You were Mr. Walkman for Sony's campaign to name this one exciting accomplishment. (laughs) So how would you like sum up the years in your life when you went from working in restaurants to what I imagine was a pretty big lifestyle change when you were discovered as a model and began uh, working in that industry? Uh, a state of shock, mostly. I think, uh, I mean, I, that's the, it, the interesting thing about this last period has been a lot of time to reflect on just things that happened so quickly that I never really took into account how I felt about it or you know, it was just moving so so fast and moving forward, and every day was either a different city or a definitely different cast of characters, and, and or even a different language that I probably you know mostly never understood. So it was always just being like I just being a moving target and being sort of like a this trying to keep this light little balloon up in the air, and so it didn't come crashing down to the ground. So I never really took my feelings into uh, uh, how I, I could never recognize how I felt about it. But recently I have, and I've sort of written a lot of stuff down and uh, been sort of just contemplating just the days and it's, uh, just how extraordinary actually it was and that uh, it was it was pretty remarkable. And I, I there's no way I could ever have, if I go back, uh, oh, 45 years, there's no way I could ever have dreamt or imagine where my life would go, where it would, what it would become, or where it would be, or where I would be, or uh, so. Yeah, I mean, I and I do remember days very clearly. I do remember being kind of like, and I, I, you know, obviously not paralyzed with shock, but just having to do it, go through it, even you know, right up to my first day being on a TV set. And, you know, having no preparation for that apart from I'd done commercials and been on movie sets, but not like acting and not like, you know, speaking and not interacting. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I feel sort of like sometimes I feel I probably got slapped a lot all along the way, but other times I feel like I just, you know, it just has been a very interesting, very interesting ride. And for the most part, gentle and kind, which has been very nice. I sort of, I, I definitely aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, is it true that you were Giorgio Armani's personal fitting model? Well, I don't. <laughs> personal fitting model sounds like he would try his own clothes on me first, which, <laughs> which was not the case. But I, I happened to be a, the size that he that he liked to make clothes for. So yeah, he would. I never. It's interesting. I got to do some photographic stuff for Armani, but I never got to do the runway because then you know they always had these you know six two people and I was not that but he, I was the sample size so yeah 
I would go to Milan uh, several days out of the year uh, just for fitting. And yeah, that was that was sort of interesting. The jet, I think I was also like Yoji Yamamoto's like favorite model for a little while and Matsuda and Isumiyaki and a lot of the Japanese designers. And that was kind of just as interesting for me because I love that aesthetic. Very cool. Very cool. Now, in 1986, you were tapped to play Duke Lavery on GH, which kicked off your daytime career. Uh, now, you and Finola Hughes remember your first meeting very differently, but tell us your version and your casting story in general. <laughs> uh, the casting story was... So, I, I, now, when I think about it, I was doing a work in progress, they called it, I believe, at the actress studio, and they allowed people to come see it, which was unusual. And a couple of agents came, somebody from ABC was there, and they, for some reason, like I was doing, it was Jean Genet's The Maids. There were three of us, three guys, and we were like in half drag, which is, you know, kind of, it was around the time of Kiss of the Spider Woman. So it was, you know, the T-shirts on the head and all that stuff. And somebody from ABC came and they, I, my, my agent got a call say, asking if I would go in and meet them just generally. So I did. And they said they'd like to put me on tape. And there was something, there were, somebody was looking to cast on the West Coast. And I was like, yeah, what? And they said it was a soap opera. And I said, I, I had no idea what that is. And they said, well, it's called General Hospital. It's a big show. I said, okay. So they put me on tape and the tape, I guess it was sent by courier in those days, you know, like a big envelope on an airplane. And uh, Gloria Monti obviously saw the tape and then they flew me out. So I came out to California and I was staying at a very nice hotel and car picked me up in the morning and took me to the studio. And I, uh, I, can't, I, I have no idea like what I was thinking. Actually, first of all, I didn't like LA. And secondly, I had... <laughs> looked at, you know, I'd been told that you'll be testing with Fanola Hughes and I'd been in whatever the supermarkets in New York had were back then, I can't remember, but they had Soap Opera Digest and all the other magazines at the time. There were lots of them, I remember. And they were all at the newsstand that I looked at it. And I looked at her and I thought, wow, well, that's the, this, I'm going to guess I'm going to meet her. And I said to my friends, this is the girl I'm supposed to meet in, in New York, in LA next week. And, and I said, I better, maybe I should watch the show and get some, <laughs> some sense of like what this is about because I have no clue. So the following day, I put on General Hospital and there pops up Anna Devane Fanola and she's sitting in a train and she's got a scar on her face and the, tra <laughs> the train's moving and the only way you could tell is somebody was running past with trees. You could see, <laughs> you know, they're running past the window with two trees every now and again. So the train was moving. And I thought, this is not, I, I'm not so sure this is something that I want to get, <laughs> I want to get involved in. This, this is like, doesn't, I don't know. I'm kind of like, what, what is this? So I came out to California. I went to the studio. And I think the first person I met was Gloria's secretary, who took me to the makeup room to meet Fanola. Fanola was gorgeous, and she was bubbly, and she was very enthusiastic. And, uh, I kind of was not bubbly or enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> or enthusiastic and uh i the the nicest thing i can say about the way i was was i was being very scottish very <laughs> very cautious and very kind of wary and was you know i was being pretty earnest because otherwise i would probably have been sort of almost hysterical at this point 
And they put me in a little dressing room and there were clothes there that, you know, lo and behold, like fit me. And, and she came to the dressing room for Nola and wanted to run lines. And I was like, well, yeah, sure. But, you know, I kind of, I, I know them already. And she was like, oh, okay, like, well, I, I, I had to learn them. I said, well, all right, no, well, we'll learn them. So we ran the lines and we still, I'm not quite sure if, like, if we had connected got called to the set and we kind of shot the test and I left and was running because I couldn't wait to get in the car, couldn't wait to get back to the hotel, couldn't wait to get back to <laughs> New York, couldn't wait. <laughs> and suddenly behind me comes Fanola running. She goes, oh my God, that was terrific. That was so terrific. And I, I turned and I said, what? And she said, the test, it was terrific. I said, really? Really? Why? Well, it just was great. You don't think so? I said, no, I don't think so. <laughs> so that is that is my side of the story. But I think my side is now similar to her side because I only heard her side recently, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously she was on to something because you and Fanola became fast friends. Yes. Uh, as Duke and Anna quickly rose to super couple status. Right. So when you look back now, what does stand out to you about the magic of that first four-year run that you had? Uh, you know, I think sh I can say this for myself. I think I had a life in New York and I had... You know, I had a sort of, I had an interesting life, but it was definitely time for a change. And uh, I think I found the best person I could possibly find to kind of usher me into the next phase of my life. And I think really that's what that was about. So um, from the moment we actually started working, uh, we were just fast and furious friends. It was just, it was kind of extraordinary. It was a great uh, a great friendship, great relationship, and um, yeah, it's just been it's it's been that way. She uh, last it was very funny because we kind of last summer when Dylan was coming down to the town to L.A. to do a he got an internship at my friend's media marketing company. Uh, Fanola dropped him off with his you know suitcase, a little bag of you know staples like you know for some food and stuff and. I kind of <laughs> I looked at her and I thought, oh my God, who would have thought 1986 that uh, at this point in 2019 you'd be dropping off your 18 year old son <laughs> for me to take care of for two weeks? I mean, <laughs> and we just kind of, you know, obviously just shook our heads and were like, well, there you go. You never know. <laughs> you never just know. never know. Nope. And for the record, she says you are amazing with with her children. Oh yes, yeah. Well, I you know. I, 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 I'm very, you know, I love her children. You know, I don't like, I, I, I'm kind of very, I, I engage with, with kids, but I, you know, I like to be, I like them to be as adult as they possibly can be. I don't like, you know, crying whiny children. So <laughs> I, 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 I tend to, I don't indulge that. So. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Now, during your first GH run, you also appeared in the, I believe, underrated sitcom, It's Gary Shandling Show. Mm -hmm. And you later worked with Gary again on the Larry Sanders Show. Right. Now, tell me the story of how the two of you met. Uh, oh, it's, it's like, it's, I think it's now become known as the original parking lot story. <laughs> um, yeah, he was, the, we were on the same lot. We were on at Sunset Gower, which was the old Columbia lot. And uh, Days of Our Lives was there also at the time. And uh, Marriage with the Children, and 
I think, who's the boss? It was a very one of the busiest lots in town. And there was always something happening, people, you know, running around. And I was uh, walking through the parking lot with Shell Kepler, of all people, who played Amy Viney. And Shell got all excited. And she said, oh, my God, it's Gary Shandling. And I said, who is that? She said, "He's oh, he's got it. He's a comedian. He's got a show. I said, okay, well. So he's, she, Gary, Gary. And Gary said, hi. Like, you know, kind of looking at her, like a little questioningly. And I said, hi. And he said, oh, are you, are you an actor? I said, yeah, I am. Well, yeah, I'm an actor. He said, are you funny? <laughs> I said, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. I could be funny. He goes, <laughs> would you come and read something with us tomorrow? And I said, sure. So I did. The next day I went to a table reader. There was a character called Ian, which was great. Um, which was easy. Easy. <laughs> yes, one thing less to remember. And I, uh, and I read and it started immediately. So I was there. I worked with him on that show, I believe, even after I was gone from General Hospital and I went back to work in England. They brought me back, I think, for their last season of the show or last two seasons of the show. So. Well, that leads to my next question, which is, <laughs> why did you leave GH? Um, you know, I, that's an interesting question. I, I think um, I was with a, a management company and also with agents who I think wanted, they had bigger plans for me than I had for myself, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they kind of were sort of molding me and pushing me towards uh, sort of bigger, what they considered to be bigger, better things. And I didn't, partic- I didn't particularly feel that way. I sort of was still kind of learning like whatever. And also I got to, you know, guest on certain other things at the same time. So I felt I was doing, you know, fine. I was doing, you know, moving along at a fairly good pace, but they wanted to kind of push me into uh, probably having a primetime series of my own. Or uh, And I think part of that was part of a negotiation that didn't go terribly well. And then I, you know, things just, I think, were done for the time. And then I think there was an attempt to bring them back together. And I think by then I started doing a lot of prime time. At, uh, uh, Columbo and Universal had offered me like a choice of things. And, and, you know, I then went on to Twin Peaks like immediately. So I think by then I was mostly on their track, but uh, I had loved the format of daytime and I loved, you know, I loved the pace. I never, I realized very quickly I do not like sitting alone in a trailer. It's the loneliest place in the world. And, I, and this is before we had cell phones or any way to keep in contact with the outside world. And all you could do was sit there and wait for somebody to come knock on the door and say, five minutes. And I just, you'd never know when that would happen. And I, I, I hated it. I, I just couldn't stand any part of that. So I loved the, the I loved the, the, uh, just the ensemble of, of daytime. I loved being around a group, you know, group of people that I loved and, and working with and creating. And, you know, I realized pretty quickly that I, unlike other people, I'm only creative when I'm comfortable. I'm not creative when I'm panic stricken and, and uh, horror struck or terrified or any of those other things. It's all that I have to be completely comfortable and then I'm totally wide open. So. I don't know if that answers the question, but there you are. <laughs> no, answer. Yeah, that's an answer. Yes. It absolutely does. Uh, <laughs> well, we have to ask more about your time on the cult hit Twin Peaks, where you played Dick Tremaine, yes. one of my all-time favorites. What stands out to you about uh, working with David Lynch and filming that show? Uh, a lot of things stand out. Um, 
he particularly still like stands out. And I, I haven't, I see him socially and, or did see him socially when we had such a thing. Um, I don't even see him at a distance anymore, but we, uh, I had a, a very interesting relationship with him. He only ever calls me by character names. Uh, the first time I worked with him, I did the Calvin Klein Obsession campaign with Lara Flynn Boyle. And that's when he sort of asked if I wanted to be played a dick. <laughs> and I said, sure. Like, you know, and again, I had not, I didn't, had not seen Twin Peaks, but I, went in to meet them the following week and then started on Twin Peaks. It was great. I loved it from the second I, you know, it's interesting because I don't think that, you know, I was working with Kimmy Robertson and Harry Goers and, uh, and you know, a bunch of just, you know, Carl McLaughlin and other, the, the wonderful girls. And uh, I don't, uh, I don't think we were doing a little soap opera, the three of us, like, you know, uh, Harry and Kimmy, uh, Andy and Lucy and Dick mm -hmm. were doing a little soap opera triangle, which I thought was kind of funny, and they didn't recognize it as such because they'd never done that. And that's all I basically had done. So mm -hmm. I was kind of I was I got I was very tickled by that, but I loved uh, I loved the people that I I, I loved the people that I got to to work with the people I got to meet. I got to work with some you know the guest uh, directors were just extraordinary. They've gone on to be people that are. Uh, have been a part of my life, uh, uh, part of my career. Uh, it was great. It was a wonderful experience all around. I just love everything. I mean, I love, I love his take on things. He changed, altered the way that I see things. I, uh, and, you know, I went on to do On the Air with him also, which all right. some people call the biggest, one of the biggest flops in American television. <laughs> but I, uh, I never saw it that way because I'd never been happier. And I loved Miguel Ferrer. And I loved Nancy Ferguson, and I loved like we just had so much fun, and uh, it was on, on the lot where uh, we worked. They had you know Evening Shade and Roseanne. Uh, we had a totally closed set because David didn't want the network seeing anything we were doing for very obvious reasons. And uh, you know every now and again there'd be somebody would come like trying to get on the set. And, uh, I, I remember Miguel saying, "Could you come like?" Can you come and say uh, hello to my cousin? You know, he's 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 on a show over here, but he's crazy about show business. And David won't let him on the set, but he'd love to say hello. And I said, sure. So I went out and said hello to George Clooney, <laughs> uh, who had, you know was and I, he was lovely. He couldn't he was very excited to meet me and everything else. And I, I haven't seen him since, but I uh, you know, and then uh, the only like celebrity, big celebrities were allowed to come on the set and watch the taping of the live segment of the Lester Guy show. So that was always exciting. You know, Rosemary Clooney. It was a great time. I loved it. I could not believe that it wasn't going to be my entire adult life like that show. I just, because we traveled all over the world promoting it, went to Rome and Tokyo and, uh, and then it was gone very quickly. So. Well, after that, you eventually made your way to Bold and Beautiful in 1993, where you played the virginal psychiatrist, James Warwick. <laughs> uh, um, yes. So, first of all, you know, what was your reaction to hearing that's the, who you're playing? <laughs> and um, tell us about your Bold and Beautiful experience. Well, that, that's not how the character was presented. That, that, that was, he was presented as uh, this kind of sort of mysterious, but highly respected uh the mentor 
No, <laughs> that, that, I, I don't even think that came up until until it until it did until it did. Yeah, yeah. until we were in the cabin after the earthquake and the blizzard, or or so. I, I remember. No, I remember. Uh, I think I read it. I don't think anybody told me. I think I actually read it, and I was like, seriously. <laughs> it's kind of like, is this a? Is this seriously like for real? Like, yeah. And there happened to be, I think, at the time, like a major athlete had also, at the age of 30, said, you know, he was, he was a virgin because he was saving himself for marriage. So I think that's where the idea came from. But it, it was, I mean, there was lots of, like, a lot of uncomfortable kind of giggling until <laughs> Hunter and I kind of committed. We were like, you know, she's very good. Like, she, you know, is very serious when she gets down to it. So we... uh yeah, we, <laughs> we, I always thought it was kind of, even if it wasn't the truth, like even, I don't think James really lied, although he did some very odd things. Even if it wasn't the truth, it's, it's, you can only get away with it once. So I thought that, <laughs> I thought it was kind of, it, it was an extraordinary choice, but I, uh, I, I, you know, like everything else on that show, I, that was a great experience for, for me, that show. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, I loved the format. I loved the class. I loved the style. I loved uh, everything about it. So, and yeah. is that where you met Susan Flannery, who played Stephanie and is a, a good friend? Yes, that is where I met uh, uh, Susan Flannery. Yes, that's where we met. So thank you, B&B, for that, too. Well, yeah, it seems like, you know, it seems like every show that I've done, I've picked up at least one great friend. So, I mean, I'm very grateful for that. So... You know, I have I have Rebecca from All My Children, of right. course. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, although I think we met doing what was the show Kelly the comedy? Poor Charles. No, the no. show Kelly uh, Ripper did the comedy. Um, oh, uh, Hope and Faith. Hope and Faith. I think that's where Rebecca and I first met, actually, on Hope and Faith. Well, I don't know if you have a friend from your next daytime home, but it was Port Charles where you played Vampire King Joshua Temple. So you worked with a lot of people who are well-known to GH fans, Michael Easton, Kelly Monaco, John Lindstrom. Um, So what stands out to you about your Port Charles run? Uh, A lot of fun, a lot of sort of – I think it was really – Obviously, like ahead of its time, with it was way just you know ahead of all the all the vampire stuff, mm-hmm. uh, Twilight uh, or whatever. Uh, but it was it was kind of cool. I think you know it was a little odd to be playing the underbelly of Port Charles when you know I I uh, I just I I was a little wary. I think of that initially, but then once we got into it, and you know I was working with Rebecca Stab, who I had done Columbo with many years before, and she and I were were very close. And all the kids, Kelly Monaco, who was a kid at the time, I just adored. And everybody else I loved. You know, Lynn Herring was, was you know, has always been like, like you know, she and I started, I think, probably almost at the same time on General Hospital. Mm-hmm. I think she was there 84 or 5, I believe. Um, so always, you know, it was great. It was like, and also it was on the same lot. So it was sort of definitely close to going home, but not quite. But uh, I, uh, I had I had a very good time, and the pace of the work was extraordinary because I, you know, I love working like that. I don't like standing still once I start. Um, so it, it was nice to, and also, you know, at ten to five, they'd say, "Come on, you've got three scenes, and we we can't go beyond five o'clock." So you just basically then do exactly what you wanted, and that was the most fun in the world. So, <laughs> well, you followed up. 
Port Charles with a uh, 2005 to 2006 run playing what I have to say is one of the most bizarre characters ever on All My Children, even possibly topping a vampire and a virginal psychiatrist. We had <laughs> Gregory Madden, the OBGYN, who not only stole the embryo that Susan Lucci's Erica was meant to have aborted back in the early 90s, uh, 70s rather, and raised her son as his own, but also had a private island where he lured pregnant women and ultimately, of course, was buried alive and died at the hands of Tad Martin. So certainly never a dull moment for you, Ian. Uh, what comes to mind when you think about the time that you spent in Pine Valley? Uh, well, I think the best part was spending time in New York, actually. But, uh, yeah, the, my Pine Valley experience was, I, I mean, I was totally oblivious to how controversial the uh, unabortionist uh, mm-hmm. would be. I never, I think when Julie... Carruthers like was explaining it to me. I all I could hear was like, you know, oh, oh I'll take Manhattan, yay! <laughs> I never, I never, I don't think I heard fetus. I don't. <laughs> I, know, I don't think I heard any of that. I don't think I because I, you know, I just I I, I so the whole thing unfolded. Uh, it was pretty. I gotta say, it was a very dramatic year for lots of reasons. There were a lot of things like going on. I think you know the. The whole genre was changing also. Um, I felt pretty fortunate to have, like, you know, another daytime gig. Um, the <laughs> I do remember, like, you know, be careful what you wish for or don't reveal your fears, especially around a soap opera writer, because that's, you know, lo and behold, it will be. Uh, I do remember telling Megan McTavish that my greatest fear was being buried alive. So, oh no! Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, the only good thing about that was I got to go to work at five o'clock at night. Nobody else was there. It was just me and the crew and a big tank full of water and mud that I had to climb into, and I'd just you know be in there for two hours and then have to be lifted out because I couldn't move with the weight of the water and the mud and the clothes, and put in the shower, and then I'd go home. And, uh, rinse off, repeat the next day, and th- that was my life for a couple of weeks until I—I I think I crawled out the ground at one point, which was, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I do think there were. It wasn't just the audience uh, taking that storyline seriously and wanting kind of revenge. I think there was a lot of, a lot of characters, and a <laughs> lot of cast and crew. I think really wanted Greg Madden. <laughs> well, all I remember is how much uh, you made Rebecca Bonnick laugh, she would tell me, by hiding your script between her legs when you were examining oh, yes. her character. <laughs> yes. Well, that's what, you know, when I was playing the gynecologist and they'd throw all of these, like, medical terms, which I could not, I think I just was, you know, I'd be home the night before with the script and I'd look and I'd be, there's no way I can't, you know, I just, I, and I'd never, never been like that, but I just couldn't remember all of these medical like things. So, uh, Rebecca very sweetly as, you know, I was doing her, her vaginal sonogram <laughs> very sweetly would have her, the, my dialogue like pasted to her underwear. So I could. Helpful. Yeah. So, well, very helpful. So I could basically. <laughs> read her 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 gynecological condition straight off the uh not off the page but off the actual 
Off the it panties. It was right there. It was an, an enormous help. <laughs> but but I, I, I remember she got the giggles, and then, then I, I, they had to cut because I couldn't read because everything was shaking so much. <laughs> but, yes, we had a lot of fun. <laughs> um, well, you did pop back into Bold and Beautiful several times, and then in 2012, you landed in Salem um, for six months as days as Ian McAllister, another Ian name, mm-hmm. working with uh, Sarah Brown as Madison and Lauren Coslow as Kate. Uh, yeah. What was that experience like? Uh, that was, you know, it was again like a, a not a very popular character. I think he was not really kind of brought in to be loved by anybody. Uh, he was pretty despicable, but I had a great time playing him. I loved uh, Sarah and I loved Lauren Coslow. Um, it was, it was, it, you know, it, it's funny because it, I will say every, every net, you know, having been through like daytime at its grandest and its greatest, uh, every network has a different flavor and, you know, every, a different tone. And I had experienced, you know, ABC, of course, NB, uh, CBS, and then NBC to me was a very, very different tone because. It wasn't a huge daytime community at that point. So, you know, I was so used to kind of the ABC, you know, East Coast family and ABC West Coast family. And, and the same with CBS that uh, NBC was very insular. It was very insular for me. Uh, uh, as, as a show, it was very insular. And as, yeah, it wasn't, it was not the happiest six months of my life, I have to say. Although I did love, I loved, uh, I loved Lauren and I loved uh, Sarah Brown. But um, I like the I like the stuff all the stuff I got to do with Lauren and particularly uh, you know the stuff towards the end I thought was was you know great fun to play with uh, Madison you know Madison's death and then yeah and the explosion there was a lot yeah, of yeah I can I can do without those explosions I just got back <laughs> and I was like even the explosion of all my children I swear I was like I mean <laughs> I have stories about that that. <laughs> I, uh, I no, I I have a very like you know daytime special effects are not my not my forte or not I'm not a huge fan of them, so um, uh, I, have to, <laughs> I have to say I I like I like drama I like emotion <laughs> I like I don't like banging I don't like bangs I don't like you know like things flying through the air that you don't expect and you know i'd like to take the actors by surprise and it's like no 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 not me thank you <laughs> no thanks <laughs> but you'll have to have it written into all further contracts no more explosions uh, um, oh i think my explosion days are probably way <laughs> behind me <laughs> well like moments after you left days i feel like you went back to gh now uh for the first few months you were back you were not playing duke you were playing Cesar Faison wearing a high-tech Duke mask, trying to lure Anna into bed, and you were also doing nefarious things like shooting Jason and kicking him into the water and keeping Robin hostage. So what was that leg of your return to the to General Hospital like for you? Uh, it was a, First of all, it was a great surprise. Also, initially, I was not wearing a Duke mask. That was a decision, I think, that was made a little into it. So Duke, I think, could you know do some heinous things and then not be held responsible for it. Uh, but I had fun though when I realized I was playing the dual thing. It was sort of there was there was a lot of fun. 
I mean, a great preparation for, you know, wearing being masks now, by the way. I could use that <laughs> I, could, I could walk around in it. But, yeah, it was great. I mean, I loved going back there. I loved being back there. But I, I, liked, I liked when Duke was just, you know, the Duke that I knew, but also, you know, obviously much older. I liked that. I liked, uh, you know, it could have been, it, obviously it could have been more, but I don't think it was really intended to be. It was, it was for, you know, the anniversary of... Uh, I think was it the fiftieth? I can't remember. I think it was the fiftieth was uh, that was like right in the lead up to their fiftieth. Yeah, yeah. So this was the first time you'd worked with Tony Geary, who played Luke, and it seems like he became a good friend. Had you met him before your paths crossed at GH? Yes, I had met him at several uh, of the you know uh, the daytime community has always been very supportive. So if somebody had another project, if they were doing a play or doing you know they maybe uh, had a made a movie or directed something that you know people would all show up so i met tony at various various things various events um then we worked together we became sort of fast friends which was great we kind of worked in a very similar way and um yeah we became friends we are we're very close friends which is kind of it's interesting you know if we walk through amsterdam together there'll be you know every now and again someone will go oh my god Yes, yes, we took the show on the road. Here we are. Yeah. It's the Duke and Luke show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would watch that for sure. Oh, too. So I think that, you know, a lot of Duke and Anna fans were really disappointed that their romance never really got the chance to shine uh, the way that it did during your first run. And Sadly, Duke ultimately died. You know, what are your thoughts on on that when you think about it now? You know, I, I, yeah, when I think about it, I think it was pretty unfortunate that they didn't give it like a chance. But you know, I, things change. Like you know, life changes. Uh, also, I think they wanted to you know probably keep Anna's character a little fresher, you know, younger, and you know, she they already made her a grandmother, and I think they wanted to back off on that. You know, I, under, I, I understood it. I think it was unfortunate. I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very hard to recreate, uh, like, unique relationships and unique bonds. And, and I, you know, I think it's difficult. And I think when people make magic, then magic is something that you should just continue to shine. I don't think you, you break it down or do anything with it. I think you just recognize it, and hold it dear and, and, you know, I think I got to do that for as long as I participated. And, you know, the rest is up to other people. And, you know, I always fulfill my part and everything. So I got to I got to die with my head on her lap, which was like a huge request because I hate dying with my head on concrete. And I, <laughs> that's the one thing I did ask for. So I got that. And, yeah. And they didn't bury you alive. So you had that going for you. Uh, I would not be surprised if they tried that. <laughs> <laughs> we also did get some more tangos. Did you ever yes, think yes. that that would become such a big part of their, uh, you know, narrative, the Duke and Anna story? Uh, I think other people knew before I did. I couldn't believe it. I think the first time it was great. Gloria Monty was a great fan of tango. She employed like people to come teach us. She took us to see Tango Argentina. We went to. And all that I went to a club called Helena's on a Tuesday night with Robert Duval and Sheena Easton and other people to be to teach to, to learn tango and 
And then we did the tango on the show, and I thought, well, good. I never had to tango again for the rest of my life. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> did it come right back to you? No. Uh, <laughs> no, because, because also, with, uh, also with the reappearance of the tango, it coincided with my first aches and pains and back problems. So I was like often at Cedars getting a shot in the morning before we shot a tango at the studio during the day. So that was that. Uh, oh, poor uh, Ian. But, uh, no, no, it was, but you know, it, it, it was great, great fun. Fanola is so extraordinary and so incredibly patient because I don't take, I, it's, I have an extraordinary memory, but I don't have muscle memory. So I don't like the way a dancer does. You know, a dancer can, and I know tons of dancers and they can look at, choreography once and they could be given choreography once and they just have this muscle memory where they just know it and I kind of overthink it I believe so so it was it was never easy but it was ultimately great fun and always they made it look so good so you know and I have Fidola to thank for that and also all the great choreographers along the way who uh, were so excited to work with her and then realized they had to deal with me and uh, <laughs> Even we had uh, we we rehearsed a tango and Val uh, Chernovsky from Dancing with the Stars mm-hmm. was was there for the nurses ball I think Dancing with Kelly Monaco probably and he watched the rehearsal and he took Fanola aside and said to Fanola like uh, if you want I can work with you guys <laughs> I overheard this and I said absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> you keep your hands off our tango we, we'll do this on our own thank you <laughs> but it would be a great opportunity I said for you not for me not for me at all <laughs> that was that's incredible yes yes we I I we that was our tangle during the tango. <laughs> so you and Fanola did reunite creatively, albeit in a very different context recently during the coronavirus lockdown. And the results are this extremely intriguing and cool thriller that can be found on IGTV called Enter Exit, where you play uh, a retired agent named Hugo opposite Fanola's uh, retired agent, Hannah, and you get drawn into a mystery involving an old enemy and a teenage girl played by Brooklyn Ray Seltzer, who was GH's Emma. So uh, how did this project come about? Um, Our friend, Matt Bourne, who we've known since he was like 13, 12, 13, his mother used to drop him off at... uh, Fanola and I, we had a fan club lunch at a place called La Manganette, I believe, in New York. And his mother would drop him off because he was a huge Dukanana fan. So he'd sit in the front. And his feet didn't touch the floor. He'd just sit there swinging his legs. And he'd always ask these extraordinary questions. And uh, Fast forward to several years. Uh, he came out here to live in California. We all became friends. And he, he and Fanola have worked together on some things. And I've never worked with him, although I've read everything uh, and seen everything he's ever done and they had talked about maybe doing something for the uh, for the three of us and that's how it came about i was a little trepidatious i gotta say i i didn't really i had never even i don't believe i'd even done zoom i hadn't done cameo i hadn't done anything so i never self-taped so the idea of sitting at home recording myself talking to myself was the last thing in the world i really wanted to do and Fanola, of course, said, well, 
I, I don't want to do it. I don't know how to do it, but we'll do it. We'll learn it. And I said, well, how, how can we learn it? And she said, well, our Chris Cazor, who's our editor and also director, will be on, you know, he'll be on Zoom with us and we'll use our phones and our iPads and sometimes we'll use our computers and we'll just, you know, record and then he'll cut it all together. So that's basically how it came about. And I, even the first couple of episodes, I was like, still, I, I, called her and I said, like, I'm a little, I don't know. I'm not so sure. Like, it's just, I, I don't know how this is going to work. Well, I, of course, had no concept of what wonderful editing could do and even a little special effects in that format. And also the great music, which was, has been, you know, uh, original music written by somebody who we've known since he was, since birth, uh, Cesar. And it's just extraordinary. I just think it's wonderful. And, you know, Brooklyn is just amazing. And there are a few, lots of surprises coming up, although the, it's, it's just been interesting. I, I kind of look at it in amazement, actually. I kind of look at it and think, well, I, like there yet again at this point in my life, all preconceived notions have gone, you know, out, if not the window, definitely like just out there. Like, you know, first of all, I never thought I looked like that because I'd never been shot from any of those angles. But of course it was, you know, you know, Lights, me, camera, me, action, me. Totally responsible <laughs> for all of it. So I have nobody to blame. And um, so there you go. That's it. But um, we love it. There may be more. I'm not sure yet. We'll see. Well, I have like been hanging on every installment personally. And uh, when I talked to Fanola about it, she told me that Brooklyn just put you guys to shame when it came to the technical aspects yeah. of this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She, it was so funny because we had, uh, I think we were still, we were shooting the first episode. We only, I mean, we got it done to pretty quickly, like, you know, but the first day was a little clunky and Fanola and I were still shooting our stuff. And I said, well, hang on a second. What is that? And it was a notification on my computer, Brooklyn downloading her, all of her stuff already downloading it <laughs> while we were still shooting. She was sending it off to the edit bank or where we were storing it, Dropbox or whatever. Like while we were still trying to get our, I was like, yeah, this is, this is, this is not going to go well. But we learned. She actually, she actually talked us through stuff and it was kind of interesting. And also our Chris Kazor, he, he was very patient. And uh, people who understand these things, as you obviously do, people who understand these things are, are it's extraordinary. You, you either understand it or else you just try to, muddle through so <laughs> um well i absolutely love you in this project i thought to myself the first time we met hugo i thought no one does disinterested like ian buchanan <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's true well you know but that's kind of you know that's always been sort of our relationship not our professional relationship but our personal relationship is Fanola talking me into things <laughs> so that's that's the given always so that's kind of other, you know, other friends of ours who saw it right off the bat were like, oh, my God, it's like it's like watching you two at home, like just, you know, it's like in your separate homes, but like just the way you behave. It's like I was like, well, that's kind of, I think there was that intimacy that being at home alone that I realized that would be a great I understood instinctively that would be a great thing to share with an audience. Just, you know, like like as if you're listening into this very private kind of relationship and with you know lots of history and lots of uh, nuance and and kind of uh you know just lots of uh, very layered so uh yeah it's well, been great 
yeah, it's a it's a it's a really uh, fun, cool show, and I highly recommend everyone heading to Instagram to check it out. Well, it's been 34 years since you first set foot into Port Charles. Um, can you put into words what your career in daytime has meant to you personally and professionally? Uh, I just was, you know, definitely from the very beginning, I had no, um, I never would have dreamt that daytime would have been my life. I never would have dreamt television would have been my life. Uh, so it's been a great, it's been, I mean, I, and I've seen it change, which is, an, and I, you know, of course, life is changing now, like just so dramatically or drastically mm-hmm. that I, I kind of, I've seen the whole genre change, but I, you know, I will always hold very dear, like, you know, Radio City Musical, Emmy Night or Emmy Week or, or just the great sense of community. And, and uh, it's, it's, it's been extraordinary. And also I, you know, I kind of just the enormous talent and the great support and especially the support that I experienced, not, having a clue what I was doing, like never had seen four cameras in my entire life, never, you know, and people being very patient, very nurturing and allowing me to become a pretty unique sort of talent on, in that whole format or in that milieu. I kind of, you know, I, I, that is what I hold like very dearly from, from the experience. And also, you know, what I tend, what I'd like to, bring into anything I do, like working with younger people, doing uh, YA right now, which we're getting back to doing with very, very young actors. It's like, I, it's, it's sort of important for me to remember like how I was as a young actor, how I was sort of treated and, and supported and not looked down upon. So I kind of, I, that's been, you know, and I, I like, I like getting old on daytime. I mean, it's not the best place in the world to get old, but it's kind of nice to get older and become one of the the the, the more the more mature of the uh, of, of the group. It's very very nice to to survive it and just get there. It's, it's you know be a seasoned as they say. I think they say seasoned. <laughs> right. or as, uh, as Brooklyn was Brooklyn when she was very young. Was we were doing a, at a party. I think probably for the Emmys or something. She was there and somebody asked her a question and she said, "They said, how do you what how do you like?" working with Mr. Buchanan. She said, oh, he's wonderful. He's from the olden days. So I was kind of like, <laughs> I kind of went like, oh, okay. So her mother <laughs> bent down and whispered in her ear, and she goes, oh, the golden days. <laughs> <laughs> Which was kind of extraordinary. <laughs> it sort of summed the whole thing up. Uh, I love it. Well, Ian, as someone who had, you know, Duke and Anna pictures on my wall, uh, I'm certainly glad that, uh, that, uh, you, you entered the daytime milieu, as you said, and it was so great to hear your voice and to get to catch up today. It's always great catching up with you. And I, hopefully we'll get to see you again when we get our world back or our lives back. I know I am hopeful. I am definitely, definitely hopeful. Well, thank you so much for talking to us today, Ian. It was so great. Stay well and talk to you soon. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Stay well and stay safe and stay healthy, most of all. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Ian Buchanan for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast.